everyone. I'm Rosanna, and this is AFL Obsessed. How are you all? It's been a stormy week on so many levels. I feel like we've learned so much about the different teams on the ladder with all kind of equally breaking stories and headlines, which we'll get to a little later. But over here, heavy storms kind of swept through the area just before Tropical Storm Elsa hit on Friday, not the frozen kind. And parts of Manhattan and the Bronx were flooded on Thursday night. I'm not sure if you saw the waist-deep waders in the subway system at West 157th, which incidentally is right in Washington Heights, which we've been talking about recently because of the movie. But there were manhole covers that were gushing water, fire hydrant style, and not just the subway, but the streets and the freeways. Buildings were full-on flooding with sheets of water or waterfalls indoors. It was a pretty jarring and dramatic sight. There was an individual, I think, who just gets creative props from me for jet skiing their way through the streets. If you're a New Yorker, you got to do what you got to do. I hope everyone's okay, more importantly. But we simply don't have the capacity to deal with this. We've got an aging infrastructure including our subway system, and it was never meant and or built really to withstand so much water in such a short period of time. We're kind of overwhelming our outdated draining system too. So, you know, that's not all that reassuring. It kind of reminds me in some ways of the crazy snow apocalypse of 2016 there are videos, if you look them up or don't remember this happening, of people kind of skiing or snowboarding their way down the streets and swimmers kind of diving into snowbanks because there was so much snow. And it, it's just crazy. I, just last week, I was telling you about the potential for blackouts due to the relentless intense heat here. And everything is kind of like hitting all at once, even though I know it's winter in Australia right now. And this whole storm and like impending disaster feel reminds me of this uh, blackout actually in Midtown in 2019. So the power was out for an entire area, including where we were living. And it had apparently not happened for decades and decades. I mean, I think it was like 60 plus years maybe, but... I think even J-Lo was performing at Madison Square Garden and had to cancel the show and everyone had to be evacuated. I can't even imagine trying to get out of a completely dark stadium. So yeah, all of that sounds like a plot to an upcoming New York City film that might be based here, but it is real life. And at that point, Andrew and I had just kind of walked through the streets just to see what it would be like because it was so random to just have everything be dark. And we also kind of walked to Times Square during that time because we wanted to see if it was still lit up. I guess that's kind of like our litmus test. And citizens were just kind of assisting with street traffic because emergency peeps couldn't even get assistance out because the power was out at all of the stations. So there were just people kind of helping with foot traffic and street traffic but there was an individual living his best life with a lightsaber. <laughs> I mean, you just know that that person ran back to their place and was like, I got you, you know, and they were conducting traffic in the middle of the night. 
And everyone was just kind of volunteering, as I said, because the streetlights and all of the traffic lights were all out. So it was a pretty heartwarming sight. Um, I think it's just kind of one of those responses that happens as a result of a kind of, I don't want to say a tragedy, but, you know, a disaster. But it was still like a heartwarming sight to see. And speaking of a lot of heart, <laughs> there were a whole host of milestones for star players this weekend. So some pure class stats for you. Nat Fife had his 200th in Tazzy. Dane Zorko had his 200th game. Stephen Motlop also had his 200th. And Lockie Henderson had his 200th. And I actually really love Geelong's tweet. It was like, Hendo to Hundo. <laughs> and Ghani had his 150th game. So that's huge. And of course, Stringer had his 150th at Marvel 2 with his family in tow. So I hope I'm not missing anyone, but standing ovations for all of you and the huge heights that you've climbed to just get here. And let me know if I missed someone from your club, AFL Footy Obsessed at Gmail or AFL Obsessed on Twitter, Insta, and Facebook. So let's get to it and dive into the opening overture of my overall thoughts on the week and where we're at now in York City and Australia. So Andrew surprised me with cookies again, and I love a decorated cookie. I know you guys know this. It's an art form for me, but he ordered some for me last year to celebrate my birthday and the podcast downloads kind of getting to 3,000. And this year was just a celebration for you guys, <laughs> really just listening and tuning in to get to 16K plus and really for our team Essendon because we've really been showing some sweet improvement. So there's kind of some Essendon and New York City designs. Um, and I posted a pic on Twitter after our game on Friday and they are the most detailed, meticulous I, I just so admire people who have the talent to do all of the things they did down to the tiny trademark symbol on the Sharon, the ball itself. So I'll be adding them to all my socials. I think my mind is still just kind of blown by how amazing they look. But thank you so much for just helping me get here, everyone. I would never have this without your listening and just obsessing right along with me in our favorite sport. I will say, though, it didn't feel quite right, like biting into Lady Liberty over the weekend, um, but I did do that. And I have to say, if you know me, cookies and sweets are just like such a big part of me. I love celebrations. Actually, there's a picture of me that Andrew took when we were in Paris. This is a super random sidebar at the Louvre. Um, I, I know it doesn't sound pretentious at all. And... It's early in the morning and everyone's just rushing inside for the day because there's so much to see. And our first stop inside was literally the bakery for me. I'm so sorry to Andrew. And I'm literally eating like a massive macaroon or macaron. I can't remember which one it was while everyone's running into the Louvre. So everyone running into the Louvre, I'm in the corner sitting eating a macaroon. I mean, I don't know what that says about me, <laughs> but I'll have to see if I can find and just post that in my stories. But it is just so reflective of how excited I am about dessert. But as for what's going on abroad, cases are actually still escalating in New South Wales. I think there were 50 new cases on July 9th in Sydney, I believe. So it was really alarming. And there were 93 cases reported yesterday and 116 the day before that. 
So Victoria has shut their borders now to New South Wales, which means that the Sydney Derby will not be back home, unfortunately. And it's just been confirmed in Ballarat for the weekend for round 18. I do feel bad for the teams. I remember, um, excuse me, I keep knocking the microphone here. I remember Sydney only had like around three hours, I think, of notice. And their families aren't able to join them because they would have to quarantine for a couple of weeks. So I just really do feel bad for the teams. But there was also a very interesting health error story that kind of came out in the last week where 160 students at a prestigious Sydney school got vaccinated accidentally. And I mean, obviously, no one under 40 is eligible for the vaccine right now in Australia, but it was a private school. So it just made a very interesting story that kind of made its way over here, too. But now let's get to footy and on to Act 1 with AFL headlines and highlights. I love how unpredictable (laughs) footy is. And as you know, the ladder is far from set. I know that I looked at the list a few weeks ago and there were teams that I thought might be higher or lower on the rungs, but also just kind of tracking which teams are playing who and how the rest of their home and away schedules play out. I thought some teams have an easier run. You know, they won't be losing to anybody, but now it's anyone's bet because some top performers have not been delivering. I know, what is life and the AFL at the moment? But as for highlights from round 17, I think the most shocking really kind of story from the games was just Richmond crumbling to Collingwood. So they've now had four losses in a row and the legit question now is, are they cooked? You know, they gave up a big lead. They were up by 20 in the third. If they won, they would have been seventh on the ladder. And now they're out of the eight and they're actually 12th. And Sydney surged against the Bulldogs. They had a really impressive win and we all got to see Jamara Ugelhagen's debut. And Frio gets so much love for me. They're now in the eight after a great performance in Tassie. I'm so happy for Fife. There was like a lobster fest, I really have to say, because Lob had a really great game too, Rory Lob. And North beating the Eagles at home. I know, is anything that I'm saying <laughs> making sense right now? So West Coast is vulnerable in the eight. You know, there's no guarantee that they might keep their spot. And some of the other moments that I loved from the games in the Port versus Melbourne game. Okay, what have we learned kind of following this game? Melbourne went to Adelaide and beat Port. So they're back on track. They're getting the job done against big teams. You know, based on record alone, I'm not concerned that they will finish on top. And I think in the top three for Port, there's some discussion about, you know, are they really pretenders on the ladder? I don't think that, but there is chat stemming from a seven. I think AFL tweet that was really like pretenders or contenders. But Kazi had a ripper. Georgiades, (laughs) excuse me, I can't talk today, had an amazing hanger over Ghani. So if you haven't seen that moment from the game, that's amazing. And I thought the funniest part of the game was, I know it's always these random moments for me, but at one point, Tom McDonald marked the ball and he had a kick for goal. And someone in the audience literally started talking to him. I mean, that's how the close the spectators are on the ground to the field. So that was a really interesting moment. In the Essendon versus Adelaide game, it was a pretty one-sided game. I mean, happy, obviously, if you support my team. 
not the most exciting game, but it was exciting for my side. I don't know. <laughs> um, I still woke up at five in the morning and just had three hours of sleep to catch it. And I really loved everything that we were dishing out. So there is a lot of discussion kind of following about how you have to earn a primetime game. You know, it's a Friday night. Games are reserved for those slots for bangers, you know, and did Adelaide deserve to play? So I would argue that Adelaide has done their part in previous weeks. So I don't want to take anything away from them. And I think that, you know, sometimes there's a game that isn't as exciting. I don't think anyone can help that. I don't think that we should pull anything away from anyone for that. But that's just kind of like a talking point afterwards. There was a very scary collision between Walla and Dude during the game. And Walla actually checked on him after. So... I'm glad that both players are actually okay. And I just love Archie Perkins and his contributions. And he played his best game with three goals plus nine score involvements. So he's just really setting up nicely and just a real team player. So, <laughs> but yeah, 63 point win. I can't argue any of that. I will take that. So we momentarily climbed, you know, above Richmond on the ladder and was knocking on the eight. <laughs> And in the Hawthorne versus Frio game, again, Fife Appreciation Pod, I think the funniest thing for me in this game, honestly, besides just watching the skill display, was during halftime, his picture kind of came up. And I know that I used to say this all the time in the early pod epis, how Fife is always constantly rocking a shiner and his avatar on the screen literally had one <laughs> and I was like can we get something else to celebrate his 200th I mean I don't know if that's like his badge of honor but Jared Healy called him the Federer of footy so I'm just applauding you <laughs> from the states and he himself said um, Fife that you know classy players always find a way to come back so I'm just kind of virtually hugging him from this side of the mic, but Frio had their highest score this season for the team, and they are now in the eight ahead of West Coast, so it's really kind of exciting. I will say, when we were making our ladder predictions at the start of the season, Andrew thought that Frio would make it in the eight and end up in the eight, and we've talked on the show about how, you know, there's always like a big shock drop for a team and like an equally surprising rise, and the ladder does change, but you know, I'm very happy for them. And I know Andrew keeps rubbing it in. So <laughs> um, hopefully they'll maintain that. In the Brisbane versus St. Kilda game, I just have to say it was such a daring win for St. Kilda. I'm so proud of them. Another STK smash. I really do love pumping them up. So I really kind of love to see it. And it's just like a complete team performance and another impressive win. And sadly, Hipwood went down and kind of had to be assisted off of the field during this game. So I think the questions now are just wondering if Brisbane can kind of still win it without Hipwood. In terms of the AFLW, a lot of the teams were able to submit their formal applications and bid for licenses. And I know Essendon was among them. So our team plus others put in their bid for an AFLW team. It's so exciting. And I'm just really looking forward to when we can open and kind of start and read that chapter. Two, Selwood has re-signed for next year, so that's really exciting. And three, Archie Birkins got his rising star nod. <laughs> so, you know what? Get you one, too. I love him. They're now all three for our trifecta and our new school baby bombers. And I'm just 
again, still smiling. Again, you probably you probably can see my smile from space. I'll try to tone it down for the rest of this pod. But I would love to know what you guys think of the round and just your thoughts if you want to share. Okay, it's intermission. So it's time to talk about other sports. So Euro 2020 happened and Italy took the game, kind of shutting England out for their first win for the Euro 2020. And it was a pretty heartbreaking fashion because it was a home game for them and the Royals were there. So that was kind of an interesting watch. I don't know if you guys happened to catch that. As for the Olympics, Patty Mills has been announced as the torch carrier for Australia. And it's really exciting for me because he's a superstar and he is playing right now in the warm-up games for basketball, which Australia just beat the U.S. last night. I don't know if anyone caught that game. We did. (laughs) And they have declared a state of emergency in Japan. So spectators have now been cut from the Tokyo Olympics. I think we all saw the writing on the wall for that one. And Ash Barty got her first Wimbledon win. So I feel like I'm jumping up and down in my seat in my mind over here. I'm genuinely so happy every time I get to see her. I did see her in the U.S. Open back in 2017. But there is this itty-bitty Ash Barty pic that's circulating on socials of her as a kid holding a trophy with like a, a dream in her heart and the cutest smile. And I can't get enough of it. So if you haven't seen that, definitely you should look for it. I I don't know. It's kind of one of those motivating picks for me. I just like, it just warms my heart and I love it so much. And Djokovic won the men's singles. So if you care about tennis at all, Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic are now tied and they all have 20 Grand Slam titles each, which is pretty crazy considering there's only four Grand Slams a year. So that means in the last like, 15 years, basically no one else won. (laughs) If you do the math from a math perspective anyway, you know, no one else is winning for like a 15 year span. And the Australian cricketers took a knee for the first time in support of BLM alongside the West Indies. And that's just, I don't know, something I never thought I'd say or see. And the home run derby happened last night which was my first time watching, I have to admit, because I really wanted to see Shohei Otani. And if for some reason you haven't heard his name, look him up. He is known for leading the home runs for the season. And he's a pitcher. So I can't even explain how, you know, exceptionally rare that talent is. I know that When we recruited him a few years back, the talk was just, you know, he's already doing this in Japan. That's so crazy. And I think there was a little bit of, you know, expectations on his shoulder. Can he actually do that here when he comes to like a different country and maybe a bigger league and he's playing against superstars? And I'm just so happy to celebrate him. And he didn't win, but a Mets player did. (laughs) So it was a really fun night and weekend all around for sport for me. And now we're on to act two, where we have discussions about relevant topics and issues. And it was NADOC week this week, as in N-A-I-D-O-C, which is a historically important celebration, which actually stands for National Aborigines and Islanders Day Observance Committee. 
But from what I understand, most people just kind of use the acronym. So traditionally, NADOC is celebrated the first full week in July, like Sunday to Sunday. So this year it just happened. And there's a theme every year. And this year it was Heal Country, which is kind of calling for stronger measures to recognize, protect, and maintain all aspects of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island culture and heritage. So the week is really a great opportunity to kind of participate in a range of activities and to support your local community, while at the same time, I think it opens the door to talk about that diversity and, again, how it can really enhance every community, Um, obviously sports too, because that is my focus, but how important it really is just for representation and I feel like we've talked at length about this. Diversity in sport is important because it helps us respect and value one another in a wider society. I mean, obviously, it's been said when you're focused on winning, you know, there's no room for prejudice. Everyone is involved and you have to participate and anticipate the behavior of like teammates purely on the basis of their abilities, which is really what it should be about. So Diversity in sports, meaning, you know, not only the players having different sets of skills, but also players having differences in beliefs, backgrounds, opinions, and experiences. And I feel like we've talked about why it hurts to have a lack of meaningful athlete representation, because it really just does so much to enhance and enrich sport on so many platforms and levels. So I really love that the AFL acknowledges NADOC week annually. And it is an opportunity for me too to do additional research and for learning. And I think it was really special this time around because Ash Barty's win kind of capped off NADOC week. And she really talked about her hero, Yvonne Gulagong. And Ash Barty's victory actually came 50 years after Australians. win with Yvonne Gulagong and she won her first Wimbledon title. So she is a superstar and a living legend and icon and they're both indigenous athletes, but she was the first or the last female tennis player, excuse me, to win the Australia as an Australian to win Wimbledon. So having said all of that, I just wanted to bring up something that was discussed on a show here in America and Pivot to a little talk about something that Stephen A. Smith referenced in one of his shows called First Take. And for anyone who doesn't know, Stephen A. Smith is a well-known sports media television personality and sports radio host here. He's kind of like our hot take king is kind of how I see it. And he was talking about Shohei Otani, who I mentioned earlier, being part of the Home Run Derby and how he is now kind of the face of baseball. And for anyone who hasn't been following Otani's kind of story, he was recruited from Japan and he can actually speak English and Spanish. But in order to not be misinterpreted, because there's so much media that surrounds the sport, as we've all talked about, he actually doesn't want to be misinterpreted And he doesn't want to be misunderstood either. So out of respect, he uses an interpreter when he is on site, when he has any type of media engagement. And I really kind of see that from his perspective. I do think it's a wonderful way to kind of go about it. And Stephen A. Smith actually kind of was referring to that whole 
empire and kind of aura surrounding Shohei. And he said that the fact that, this is a quote, by the way, the fact that you got a foreign player that doesn't speak English, believe it or not, I think contributes to harming the game to some degree when that's your box office appeal. It needs to be somebody like Bryce Harper, Mike Trout, those guys. And unfortunately, at this point in time, that's not the case. And he kind of went on to say, when you talk about an audience gravitating to the tube or to the ballpark to actually watch you, I don't think it helps that the number one face is a dude that needs an interpreter so you can understand what the H he's saying in this country. And that's what I'm trying to say. So obviously you can imagine my disappointment. I am Asian, as you all know, and I get having hot takes, etc. But Again, I've talked about Shohei and his abilities and how he is leading in home runs for the season. Again, exceptionally rare dual ability. I mean, it's like someone being able to kick on both feet and footy. You don't see it all that often, you know? I mean, and this is even rarer than that or even rarer than a bowler who can bat in cricket. Um, Sidebar, when I have gushed to Tunde, who you guys will remember, my bestie who I introduced Aussie Rules to, I've talked to him at great length about Otani and I can't even express to you his reaction of like, oh, good. We get to talk about another sport <laughs> and that isn't even AFL Aussie rules. So it's really funny. I also think, too, that it's just simply not a true statement. I mean, from a global marketing perspective, in terms of appeal, we all know how permeating sports can be. And when personalities from the games transcend their sport in a way, there is the ability to bring people who wouldn't normally have considered the sport to tune in, watch, and support it. I remember Lynn Sanity in 2016. I think you all remember. So there are endless opportunities from a marketing perspective. The one thing that I do have to say about Major League Baseball, though, is that the sport was previously considered, I think, our national pastime and actually now has been declining for a while. And the funny thing is that Stephen A. Smith has kind of talked quite a bit about this and at length about the decline of specifically African-Americans in the sport for many reasons, you know. And I feel like, as I said, with it being considered our national pastime, I don't know if it's been in that spot for the last decade. I really feel like the NFL and the NBA have kind of jumped into that spot and those sports have kind of been able to expand with their viewership, whereas, you know, Major League Baseball kind of hasn't. So it is kind of ironic to hear him have such a contrarian opinion because, you know, you can't have it both ways. The sport really does need to grow. And I don't want to say what the fan base looks like now, you know, and it maybe looks like older white men from time to time from a stats perspective, but they haven't found a way to connect to younger people and minorities, especially, even though there are more minorities in the sport in terms of Latino descent. There are specific players who I can name who are just must watches, but really outside of the U.S., baseball doesn't really matter except for certain select countries, Japan, obviously, Cuba, and the Dominican. So you would think that the strategy would be to expand and highlight the individuals who kind of bring that extra, you know, 
I almost want to say a runway with them that you can take off on <laughs> in order to just capitalize on so many things. So I don't know. That's just my TED talk. I guess I'm just disappointed too that right now we've talked also about the Asian American hate that's been happening. So I almost want to be like, read the season, not just the room. But we obviously have more ground to cover if, you know, anyone feels this way. So in a sense, I do think that weeks like NADOC are important for the educational aspect of things. You know, you don't need a day or a week or a month to celebrate, but I appreciate the focus and the reminder and the educational opportunities that come along with having a designated period to really open doors and windows and discussions and kind of the exchange of why things like this are so important. So now it's the after show and I just have some thank yous to pass out for the individuals who anonymously bought me coffees. And I did start a buy me a coffee page, which you can find in the show notes. And I actually just have to read an amazing poem that someone left <laughs> me when they got me five coffees. And they said, here's some coffee and some Aussie support because you love the world's greatest ball sport. May this caffeine bring you fuels while you watch your Aussie rules and may your bombers all end up on report. <laughs> so hugs to all of you, especially that individual. Um, I do love all of that, except for maybe the bombers ending up on report, maybe on good reports like rising star nominations, but just so many virtual hugs to all of you to help keeping me stay fueled while I pump out these pods. And also I did bump my Facebook page recently and I've been gradually adding photos of my journey in honor of my last episode, which was the 60th episode. So you can kind of see parts of the madness and adventure if you want to follow along there, kind of how it started <laughs> versus how it's going. And if you know someone who you think might like the pod, I hope you'll share it with them. But thanks for spending a part of your day with me, guys, and keeping me company. So hopefully I'm doing that for part of your day, too. And that's it for me. Thanks again for listening, rating, and subscribing, everyone. And let me know what you think. <laughs> Stay safe and healthy. Check on your friends and neighbors. We'll get through this like footy. I'm virtually hugging you, and we'll talk footy soon. Bye.